Hello and welcome to the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're glad you're here, where each week we talk about men's health and lifestyle. We do so with the foundation of the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. If you don't know what keto is, stick around and you'll find out. The podcast will bring you real honest fun. Each week we strive to uncover the tips and tricks that you can use in your everyday life to maximize your overall health and find the clearest path to becoming the best version of yourself that you were meant to be. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. My name is Chris. I'm one of your hosts and I am joined this week as always by Jim. How's it going, Jim? It is good, sir. Glad to talk to you and uh, hopefully life's pretty well. So. Yes, yes. It's uh, been a very busy, um, slightly stressful week, um, but that's okay. That Those things happen. Um, but now we're in a happy place, Chris. We're in a happy place because we're in <laughs> podcast recording mode and it's amazing. It's awesome. And we've got an awesome guest. Austin Beck is joining us. Uh, we will uh, be calling on, on, on him in a little bit. But uh, before we do, uh, Jim, what's new? Oh my gosh, what is new? Um, you know, if you've been following us in the Keto Man's Club on Facebook, um, you know, it, it feels like with the change of the season, some of us um, also have uh, new struggles pop up in uh, keeping on on the key, on the plan, if you will. And so um, it's nice to know that when you feel like you've hit a stumbling block and you've, you've made a mistake or two or three, that you're not the only one and this is not a uh, all or nothing type group type experience at all. Um, so it, it's a good reminder that there is reinforcement out there for um, anybody out there, myself included, who suddenly decides that the bag of chips might become a uh, meal in itself kind of thing. <laughs> not uh, not what we're supposed to do at all, but sometimes life gets in the way and just you roll with it. So um, getting back on the plan, getting refocused and everything um, is just being honest. That's kind of where it's been the last uh, week or so. Had some uh, unexpected work challenges come up, which came out okay. But um, when you are doing something until 11 o'clock at night and somebody uh, says, who wants to get Subway or whatever, it's kind of like, well, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. And you pick off the deli meat and do the best you can. So. Yeah, that's about it. How about you, sir? Um, like like I said, I've been rather busy keeping uh, keeping busy with with uh, podcasting. Lots of overtime with work. It's quote the busy season for us, so um, they're offering overtime and and it's back to back calls and all that. You know, it's it's normal life for me. Um, mm-hmm. had some family stuff go on this week that uh, I won't go into, but uh, it, it's it's been a little bit of a tougher week than normal in that regard. But I'm hearing good things from the family members that were most immediately involved. And um, at this point, and so uh, you know, thing life life moves on. Well, yep. Know. The uh, sun comes up every day. Sometimes yeah. it feels like it won't, but it does. So. Yeah. Well, uh, the Bible tells tells us that uh, his mercies are new every morning. And I'm thankful for that greatly. There uh, you go. Yeah. So uh, and, our tr- and our third in partner in crime is yes. um, absent uh, this week as well. Yeah. He uh, had a, a run in with a, a bit of a bug and uh, he got home tonight. He was out of town doing work. Uh, so he was sick and miserable out of town. Um, but he uh, got home this evening and. I thought maybe I'm past this and uh, he's not past it. <laughs> so, yeah. And we'll so, just leave it at that. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, no need to, <laughs> to go any further on that. Um, we wish him well tonight and hope that, that things uh, pass quickly and uh, that can just go to bed and enjoy his evening um, once the kiddos are down and whatnot. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive right into shout outs real quickly. Jim, who do you got this week? So uh, my shout out this week, I'm actually looking at both uh, the post that he put in Keto Man Club and his Facebook profile because um, he has a little bit of a unique name. So Robert LaRiviere, uh, kind of looked French. Um, he is one of, I believe, our one of our newer members. 
members. He's from New Orleans and he posted a photo up um, in early October um, of his before photo, so to speak, at 292 and he's now down to 227. Now, accomplishment number one is that, you know, 70 some pounds or whatever that he's lost. So that's great. What's unique though about this is that it looks like he has one of those 1990s blockbuster cutout, cardboard cutouts <laughs> of himself that he's posed next to. Mm-hmm. And somebody even commented in the uh, post like, uh, really, did you get a cardboard cutout of yourself? So Robert is actually an actor and oh. he has to do uh, full body photos he wrote um, for auditions and things like that. So he would just basically Photoshop one of those photos of him uh, going for a role mm-hmm. and then the current photo, so to speak. Yeah. And noticeable change for sure. Very similar pose and everything. Uh, so kudos to uh, Robert uh, down in New Orleans for his um, his success on the keto uh, way of eating. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, looks great. I saw that picture. I could tell it was Photoshop, but it absolutely does look like he's standing next to a, a card. Kind of card. reminds me of one of those Dangerous Minds Michelle Pfeiffer things from like 1997. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so how about you, sir? Um, the person I am going to call out is, uh, Taylor Selix. He, uh, he, he posted, uh, in mid September. So this is a little while ago, but he, uh, said it had been six months to the day since I started keto. Start weight was 395. Current weight is 275. So in six months, he went, uh, down. It's, uh, a lot. <laughs> yes. 20 pounds if I'm, if I'm, do- or if I'm doing my head math right. It's a lot, and he looks great. He uh, he's obviously in an active job. He's got the first picture where he's like doing construction work, and uh, the next picture he's wearing work boots and whatnot. So he's he's more than likely a, a construction person of some sort. Uh, so that probably helped him out a ton because he was very active. But he uh, um, this way of eating, he said, was uh, really is just becoming a way of life for me. I don't have a goal weight set. My plan is to keep going and just listen to my body, and then when it's time, learn to maintain the weight and keto. And that actually brings me to the topic that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Ooh, before, before look I, at uh, you segueing like I, a professional. I didn't even mean to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it does uh, does work out rather well. Congratulations, Taylor, for your success. We're glad that you're with us. The topic I wanted to speak about was that there's been a few people lately in the group that have actually, in, in an awesome way, been reaching their goals, whether that be a mm-hmm. goal weight, whether it be body fat percentage, whatever it might be. And the question that they're asking is a very good one, because I think for all of us, whether we have reached our quote goal or not, we need to have a plan when we get there what happens right uh, we talked with with mike gorman early on, on on the podcast and one of the reasons that he rebounded as harshly as he did was he hit his goal and he didn't have a plan and so it's very important that we have a plan for when we get to where we're going whatever it is in life not just our our, our health journeys and whatnot Wh- wherever we're going we need to have a plan i kind of echo this so i'm gonna go ahead and steal what uh, alberto would say and that's just eat keto regardless. And he would add, eat keto and lift. Uh, <laughs> and um, so I, I think that's a good way to go because I think our bodies are self-regulating. You're not going to waste away to nothing. Now, I do think that for a lot of us, and I'm very definitely one of those people that aren't super physically active, uh, or at least traditionally so, um, that have a higher fat to lean muscle mass ratio, those types of things, we probably need to make an effort to lift heavy and try to build that lean mass. And that means 
means shifting while still eating keto, keto shifting into eating a, in a caloric uh, surplus and, and focusing that into adding lean mass. And so that, that for me, that's my tentative plan. Once I mm-hmm. get to where I want to be as far as weight goes, I, I, I'm 5'8". I could probably be totally, you know, I could get down eventually down to where I'm, you know, stick figured and the 150s, 160s. I don't really want to, nor am I genetically built for that. I am built to have wide shoulders and all that type of stuff. So for me, I, I, I'm more, more than likely the type that, that is going to be a larger dude. But I need to support that with my eating and make sure that I'm getting an adequate amount of protein and an adequate amount of fat to uh, to make sure that my body is is using all of that um, and to to build itself and to have the energy that I need. Jim, what would your plan or what would your advice in that type of thing be? Well, I think you covered a lot of stuff. Um, the one thing that everybody that's listening to this, if they're doing keto or anything to lose weight, improve their health, decrease size, whatever the case may be, is as you are changing, you need to adapt what you're doing to your numbers. So in terms of keto, you know, I've heard that, you know, usually around every 20 pounds that you lose is a, a great opportunity to reevaluate, reevaluate your macros, mm-hmm. um, kind of hitting another step, so to speak. But with all of that, if you're somebody who is in- increasing your physical activity, if you go from being walking on a treadmill at the gym to losing, you know, 50 pounds, let's say, and doing um, a pretty decent jog every time you go to the gym. Well, obviously your calorie uh, burn is going to be different. And then if you add lifting in or if you go to running or all of those things, you kind of need to look and see what your average burn rate is calorie wise for the exercise that you're doing to balance that out with your food intake and whatnot. It's almost like when they say that, um, you know, when you're trying to lose weight, you need to eat. Because if you don't eat, your body may go into a starvation mode mm-hmm. and hang on to everything as much as possible. Now, obviously, it's, there's a lot more science to it than I am an expert at, uh, but you you need to consider all the different aspects of what you're doing as your weight changes to make sure that you are adjusting accordingly. So I think that's the only thing that I would add to um, what you shared a moment ago, Chris. Yeah, yeah I absolutely agree. Um, I think that's uh, definitely something that, that's good. And, and try to use um, consistently the 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 macro calculator that you're going to use whatever it is and that's another big discussion for for another day is what mm-hmm. one is the best for you and the, the short answer uh, and we'll leave it at that is it's uh, a, I, I will just add it's it's a common question and it's also even um, drilling down into the foods mm-hmm. that people eat because it's not if you get a salad well somebody may plug in a salad into the macros but well does it have grilled chicken does it have salad dressing does it have cheese what kind of cheese so all of these different things impact that stuff so there's that is definitely a, a, a lengthy show topic for another day yeah absolutely that that's uh, a lot now our, our guest here he uh, he kind of has some background in all of this stuff he's mm-hmm. uh, done some amazing stuff so uh, before we even dive into his story awesome what would you tell someone who's reached their goal or really close to um, about preparing for next steps and and how they should react to getting uh, to their goal weight yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for having me on. I'm actually really stoked to, to actually be a part of this. So I appreciate uh, that information. Um, I appreciate your guys' answers. Actually, you guys both that really hit a lot of it uh, like right on the head. For me personally, if somebody was to say, well, hey, I've hit my goals and now I don't really know what to do. My first thing to tell them is that, well, you, you've hit a goal. The day that we stop setting any kind of goals in life should be when we're retired and ready to die. Like we, we're always going to have some kind of goal, whether it's a personal health goal, whether it's going to be 
a career goal, whether it's a family goal, we're always going to have some type of goal, right? So really the way to look at it is I've hit this goal that I had already set for myself. What I want to know is now what's my next goal? And that is going to lead them to the answer. Mm -hmm. Because for example, for me, um, I was, you know, morbidly obese, nearly died of my sleep from sleep apnea. I I knew that I needed to change some things to to lose weight and get healthy. So I, I dropped 75 pounds, I got healthy. And then I was kind of at that point where I'm like, well, cool, I lost all this weight. What am I interested in now? And for me personally, just from the aspect of losing weight and getting healthier and getting more into the gym life, I was like, you know, I really like this powerlifting thing. Like it's it's fun to feel strong. So my new goals became what do I need to do to accomplish getting stronger at powerlifting? So if somebody tells me, hey, I've reached my goal and now what do I do? Well, then what's your next goal? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's it exactly. I think if we um I'll, I'll quote the scripture just because it's the wisdom of it is so good, but it, without vision, the people perish. Another way of thinking about vision is goals, uh, a mindset, a place, a direction. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on. Without a plan, uh, you're, you're, you're set to fail. Um, yeah. so, um, Austin, that was awesome. Thank you for that. And so let's, uh, let's rewind a little bit now that we've already pulled some stuff out of you and let's start at the beginning, like what we normally do with our guests and have you uh, tell us who you are, what your background is growing up, um, lead us into, uh, you know, your health journey um, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. I'll uh, I'll give the Cliff Notes version so it's not too long of a story. Um, basically, I, I grew up. I was pretty much overweight since uh, since I was a kid. I grew up in a small town where you know it was a small southern town, South Carolina, and, and everything was food and eating. Um, I, I was very much of a recluse of a kid, so I probably partook in the joys of food a little too much and video games and not a very active lifestyle. Um, it wasn't until probably about my twenties that I decided that I kind of wanted to make some health changes, and I started with all the all the fad diets and all the pills and all the bull crap that doesn't work right and uh, and of course I was like well like none of this is working then I, I guess I'm just going to be fat forever um, it wasn't really until I had literally nearly died in my sleep from sleep apnea and uh, I fell on the floor if I had not fallen on the floor and actually burst oxygen back into my lungs I, I probably would not have been here to this day so that's what I've been calling my literal wake up call it was a literal wake up call where I was like I, I can't live like this and uh, didn't really quite know where to start with just calorie restriction, doing some basic exercise stuff at home. Through all this, I, I, I've always had that research mind. Um, I'm a science major. So for like at the at the time, I wasn't really doing much as far as school career goes, but I was really big into science stuff. So I did a little bit of research, um, kept finding stuff about how fat versus carbohydrates work with the body. And contrary to popular belief at the time, everything kept going back to fat, which I was like, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because fat's what makes you fat, right? Um, so yeah, so it really wasn't until my dad got diagnosed with uh, leukemia and I really delved more into the research aspect and I kept finding again things about lower carbohydrate higher fat diets and this was really before keto was a was a you know buzzword um, that's kind of what got me interested in looking more towards this this style of a diet and as I incorporated more low carb stuff I started noticing that I was not only losing weight but I felt way better I had better brain cognition um, I used to suffer from chronic migraines and eventually when I did more of a ketogenic diet I actually was able to cure my chronic migraines 
And just over time, you know, I lost 75 pounds, got healthier, got leaner. And it was one of those things where we try to tell people, because people want to ask, people who've known you for all your life and they see that you're going through this weight loss transformation, the first question is always, well, how'd you do it? What's your secret? And then when you tell them that, well, I, I cut out all these carbohydrates, first question is, we well, can't cut out carbohydrates, right? Because nobody can cut out carbohydrates. You'll, you'll die, you'll be miserable, you won't like any of the foods you eat. And, and it's more, it was just fun seeing the, the disbelief on people's face when you say, no, actually, yeah, this, this this is, this is what I found that worked for me. I will say that nowadays I definitely do more of a dirty keto. So, you know, if I want to have a beer every now and then, I'll have a beer. If I want to have a low carb tortilla wrap, I'll have a low carb tortilla wrap. But it's one of those things that it's it's definitely an eye opener seeing the transition from the life that I did leave, uh, lead and the food that I ate versus compared to now and just the total 180 transition there. So let me ask, um, Austin, talking a little bit about your, your history and everything like that, was your, were you the, the heavy kid in the whole family? Did others have weight issues at all? Or what was your family dynamic like when you were growing up? Oh, no. So, so I was definitely the heavy kid. It was, uh, it was only really my, my mother, my sister and my father, um, and myself. And I was def I was the heavy kid. And my mom was one of those kind where she just cared about loving her kid and making sure her kid's happy. So if I wanted to eat, you know, two, personal pan pizzas by myself in one sitting she let me not her fault at all you know it was it was is i i just didn't have the willpower back then and she wanted to make sure that i was happy that so yeah no my sister was always thin my mother was always thin my father was always fairly thin i was definitely the the oddball out and a lot of that just came from from food addiction in the sense of now i won't say that i had an actual like addiction addiction in the sense of people who might suffer from something a little bit more than what i did mine was just that i like the taste of food and i love shit chef food in mouth. I don't know if I consider that an actual <laughs> addiction, but it was just one of those things that I'm like, this is tasty. I want it in my mouth. There I go. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, it, it was definitely a snowball effect. I just, I enjoyed eating food. Um, you know, I, I moved out of my family's house by the time I was 19 and then I had free range of whatever I keep in my fridge. And I, of course, didn't make the best decisions. Understood. Yep, absolutely. So Austin, tell us a little bit about your, um, or, or dive deeper into your, your fitness stuff. You mentioned the powerlifting stuff. Kind of Take us on that journey with you going from the big guy into uh, the the athlete that you are these days. Yeah, so that was actually a fun journey of my own because um, especially when you when you've had friends for a long time who have known you for being uh, the fat guy and they're kind of used to that. And and as humans, we're creatures of habit, so we don't like when things change, right? So I uh, I started getting healthier by first just kind of changing up the types of food that I ate, the amount of alcohol that I drank, um, and then I started doing just like home exercise routines because I wasn't super comfortable going to a gym just yet. Um, as I started feeling better about some of the stuff I was doing and I started doing, you know, I uh, subscribed to Men's Health Magazine and all that fun stuff. And then you see guys in the gym and you're like, I want to bench press. I want to squat. I want to deadlift. So I got a gym membership. No clue what I was doing. No, absolutely no clue what I was doing. So I just went and I would do these little circuits where you just do like every machine that's in the gym just so you can get something done. Right. But it was fun. And it, and it transitioned me into learning a little bit more of like how to start doing some of these movements. So that then I progressed and I joined a different gym that had more free weights and I started doing more research. Now we have the power of the internet. So I'm doing more research on the internet of how, how do I do a squat? How do I do a bench? How do I do a deadlift? How do I do it with proper form? And most of it being trial and error, a lot of it being looking at different YouTube videos and reading different magazines. And the stronger I got, the more addicted. That was my new addiction. Mm. And it, it just became a thing where I, the more, oh, sorry, to, to kind of go back a little bit in the middle of all this, I got into a bad 
car wreck. I, I got my um, L4, L5, which is your lumbar area, uh, kind of messed up. And the doctors told me, they said, you're going to live with this injury for the rest of your life. Um, you mentioned that you like doing gym stuff. Uh, you're not going to be able to lift heavy. And I went, okay, like, but for how long? And they said, well, forever. Like, you really shouldn't lift heavy forever because you're going to have this injury for the rest of your life. And I took that kind of more as a challenge. <laughs> maybe that wasn't maybe that wasn't the best way to think of it. But I'm sitting there going like, well, I know how the body works. I've done enough research now. I'm a big enough nerd that I understand that the body is resilient. The body adapts and the body becomes stronger. So I was smart about it. I didn't do any heavy lifting until my recovery time was done. And basically, I was cleared to go back. Um, but I never really did much on the deadlift until I was told that you're not going to be able to lift heavy anymore. And I, at the time, maybe had a 185-pound deadlift. And I worked every single day, you know, every single week that I could, I worked at building it up. And within about two years time, I now am sitting at my, for a one rep max, it was at uh, 525 when my average deadlift is about 500 pounds. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, that's not, that's a pretty, pretty tough for anyone. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty cool. At this point, uh, what has that led to? I, I believe you've had some additional things that you've taken on since you've gone through this journey um, and in the form of maybe coaching. Is that right? Yes. So I, I became so enthralled with it. And uh, between my, my love of the physical side and my love of the education side, I tried to find a way to combine the two. And um, I'm currently going back to school, finishing my master's to become a dietitian because I love the nutrition side of everything. Um, but I've also been a um, certified, uh, both a, a nutritionist, a now a sports nutritionist and a, um, a personal trainer. Um, and it was just one of those things where I, I love the education side. In my personal career before all this, I, I was a trainer for various corporations where I would train employees how to do their job. I love the education side. So becoming a nutritionist and a sports nutritionist, that was one of my big things for like, I, I want to help educate people because especially with keto, people have so many questions and rightfully so because it, it really shouldn't. But a lot of things in the keto or low carb world go against what we've been told for decades upon decades. Um, so people have questions and and some of the questions we think, you know, if you're scrolling through Facebook, you're like, wow, that's kind of a dumb question. But then you have to realize that like that person truly doesn't know. They've been told for ages that this is the way that you're supposed to be healthy. And then we start learning that, you know, that's maybe not really accurate. Um, so, yeah. So for, so becoming the nutritionist and sports nutritionist was a big feat for me and a really big accomplishment. I was really proud of. I actually have my certifications on on the wall in my office just because I'm some I'm proud of. Um, but my ultimate goal is to become a registered dietitian so that I can just add that one more kind of notch on my belt. I want to pause for just a second and talk about this because I've had people ask me before and even prior to the Keto Man Club, I've looked for a dietitian or a nutritionist in my area. Are 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 they hard to come by? Are, 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 is this a, a real niche area, so to speak? Because I know that others have looked for a little bit of guidance and guidance or insight on this. And it seems like to find a dietitian or nutritionist, you have to be in a hospital, at least from my perspective. That's like the there's not a freelancer, so to speak, out there. So tell us a little bit about if people wanted to find you or a nutritionist in their community, are they typically readily available or what's your experience on that? Yeah, no, that's actually a really great question. And that's um, you're absolutely right. It, it, it is a little difficult to come across unless you happen to be in the right circumstance. And there's a reason for that. And unfortunately, a lot of it comes down to money. So dietitians are going to get paid best when they're working through a hospital, a VA clinic or some kind of a specialty clinic. That's where dietitians are going to get paid the best. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is when you work for a, a large corporation like that, especially like a hospital, for example, they tell you what you 
you are allowed to tell your clients as far as like dietary, which right now, the even with all the new information that we have, the standard is still to say follow a, uh, a, a high fiber, low fat diet. That's just that's the standard that that's being told there. Um, but yes, most dietitians, if you're going to get recommended to say you need to talk to a dietitian, it's going to be through a hospital or some type of specialty clinic. The real scary part is, is that if you have something that can be cured strictly through dietary means, but you go see your general physician, your general physician is still going to recommend some type of a pill to fix it if there's a pill they feel is going to work for it. Not to knock any MDs out there. I get it that they're just doing their job, but there are a lot of times that whatever the issue is, like for me with my chronic migraines, I went and I saw my my physician, they prescribed me a pill, I took the pill, it made me feel worse than having my migraines. So, but yeah, so the so the pill made me feel worse than my actual migraines, and it was something that I ended up being able to cure through uh, through nutrition. Um, on the same aspect of that, I had really bad plantar fasciitis. I don't know if either of you have ever had plantar fasciitis. Mm-hmm. I have, that I've heard. I have. It's it's not pleasant. Oh no, it's it's one of the worst things in the world. It, it's this this horrible cramp in your foot that you just can't get rid of. And and I was seeing a specialist at the time, and they eventually told me that it was so bad that I needed to get surgery. I really didn't want to do surgery. I asked if there's another option. They told me there was a laser that they could shoot into my foot. And I'm like, well, how does the laser work? They said, well, it breaks up the muscles. So I said, okay, I'll get back to you. I understand how muscles break up. I bought a really hard foam roller and I stood and rolled on that foam roller every single day Mm -hmm. on my foot. And I cured my own plantar fasciitis. There are options that we can do ourselves without having to go through a pill or surgery route. So sorry, to backtrack onto your main question, if somebody wants to find a dietitian that's actually going to um, listen to them and their specific needs, you do have to find somebody that has a private practice for your best results. It is difficult. It might be able to be handled through a Google search. It might have to be something that you you have to kind of look at. I don't know if through insurance, if they might be able to find something like that, but it is definitely, it, it's not easy right now, which is mm-hmm. part of the reason why I want to become a dietitian is because I want to be that against the grain dietitian. That isn't just saying, here's your plug and play cookie cutter BS that we tell everybody. You know, I, I after losing my father through cancer and seeing the, in my opinion, mistakes that his dietitian made, such as somebody who has cancer telling him to eat twice the amount of glucose, knowing that cancer thrives off of glucose made no sense to me. So there's little things like that, that I, I feel like we need more dietitians to go against the grain. I appreciate it. Well, I think um, one thing that I wanted to ask about, um, talking about your weight loss, um, another question, comment, thought that comes up regularly in the group is the the food versus the workout, so to speak. You mm-hmm. know, and some people have that idea of I can bust my tail in the gym and burn 1500 calories and then walk out and get a double cheeseburger fries and a Diet Coke and I've done the right thing kind of thing. So how did you find your balance in the way you ate versus what you were doing in a gym to be successful in getting to your where you're at physically now? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I've had, I've actually had my own trial and error with that and not on purpose, uh, but I feel like sometimes those are the best trial and errors. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I first started losing weight, I was not a huge fan of exercise, right? Most people who are heavy set are not a big fan of exercise because it hurts. It's hard. Your heart's pounding. You're not used to this, right? So it's, it's uncomfortable. As humans, we want to be in a comfort zone. So I started out with just doing the diet portion of it and, and lost a decent bit of weight. I eventually started 
started adding in the physical exercise, I noticed that the more I started doing some stuff, I enjoyed it, which on a scientific level, without nerding out too much, makes sense because as we exercise, we release endorphins and we get a little bit happier. So it was probably about when I started getting into that powerlifting mode that I'm starting to watch some of these, you know, strong men and powerlifters that are, are either on YouTube or the big names that you have out there. Um, and I'm like, oh, like these guys eat tons of calories and they don't care about what they eat. They just eat whatever they want and they still have strength. And I didn't quite get to that same level as them eating, you know, 5,000 calories plus a day. But I started to not care about so much what I ate because I told myself, well, I'm in the gym, I'm doing stuff, I'm, I'm supporting my goals, so it'll be fine. And then I started to realize that kind of felt like crap. I wasn't losing weight anymore. I might have had a little bit more strength, but was that really from the food or was that just from consistent training? So in reality, if you're eating like crap, you're not going to see the results that you want. It is a balance. And, you know, people come up with catchy things that say like, okay, it's, you know, 75% diet and 25% or whatever it is um, <laughs> of, of the workout. And there's, you know, statistics. I've taken statistics classes. It's all made up bullcrap of, of how you want to fit your narrative. And that's fine. But it is definitely a balance. You cannot, if your goal is weight loss, especially, you can't just eat whatever you want and think that you can go and, and outdo it in the gym unless you happen to have literally zero life and you can spend six hours a day in the gym. Yeah, that's that that's been my that's been my largest problem with a lot of these well I won't say a lot of these guys I've observed that there are some some guys that have made a massive life change in their losing huge amounts of weight um, and they're they're just they're killing it every day but all they do and these are youtubers of course so uh, all they do is go to the gym record podcasts and post to YouTube Yep, I work exactly. a 40 plus hour week or a 40 plus hour, you know, hour job and have stuff on the side and have a wife. I have all this stuff going. On. I can't spend two or three hours of my day doing two or three workout of the days at the CrossFit gym. Exactly. And I will, from my perspective, about eight, nine years ago, I participated in a local, um, <clears throat> excuse me, fitness boot camp that was, I think, eight or 10 weeks long. And you, you kept changing your diet every two weeks and more and more. And I ultimately lost like 45 pounds. And I was I was doing wall crawlers or, or I mean, all kinds of crazy workout stuff like that. And at my peak, I was almost like 1100 minutes a week in the gym, which basically accounted to five to six days a week, mornings and nights, every every weekend doing something. And it was like, I had it in my mind. I want to hit this number. I want to hit this goal. And so I'm willing to do it for the time. But holy cow, like as soon as I got done and you want to go have a life, oh, you gained 10 pounds. What? Yep. I mean, <laughs> like this is not, this is not sustainable long term. No, not at all. So <laughs> what would be your tips in that regard? What would you tell someone who either is coming from that mindset or uh, wants to avoid it? Yeah. So my favorite is the the 90 day rule. And and there is a little bit of science involved in it where we notice that the body starts to uh, adjust and make changes within about 90 days of, of any kind of new program. So I don't know if it was an exaggeration or not when you were saying that your diet changed up every two weeks. I'm hoping it was an exaggeration because if they were literally changing your diet every two weeks, your body has never got a chance to actually adapt to its new protocol. So I live by the idea of, of a 90 day rule 
school where you're going to make some type of dietary change and some type of physical activity change. And you're going to follow that for about 90 days. So even in the powerlifting world, when you're like trying to get a new one rep max, you know, all you're trying to do is lift 20 pounds more than you lifted the last time for your one rep max. You follow a very strict and, and purposeful training program for about 90 days. And on that 90th day, you pull your new max. You're proud. You're happy with it. You deload for about a week and then you start over again. So it needs to be consistency is the biggest key. And that's the number one reason any kind of diet fails is that people either feel very restricted or they don't have the uh, the publicity to to just follow the program for that amount of time. And sometimes it's both. If you don't enjoy the program that you're doing, you don't want to follow it for a long enough time to actually have it work. I actually had a, um, a client one time who uh, I, I made a 30 day plan and I said, we're going to do three 30 day plans. So we're going to change it up, you know, every amount. And then we're going to, so it'll be a total of a 90 day plan. And, and she was getting upset after three weeks. She was like, I'm not seeing any progress. I asked her if she's been following the, the meal plan and the exercise plan. She says, well, you know, this day I cheated and this day I had a night. And, and all these excuses come out, right? And I'm trying to be nice. And I say, well, hey, for the next 30 days, follow the plan to the T and we'll see if we see any results. And this just repeated of, of the excuses. Of, I'm not seeing any changes. I ask her, have you been following the plan? She says, no. I try saying, what can I do different to help you follow this plan? And then, you know, oh, well, I just, there's this going on, there's that going on, there's this going on. And, and it got to the point where I started to realize that unfortunately, this is just somebody who doesn't like to follow a structure. And if you want to see any major change, again, it doesn't even have to be diet related. If you want to see a change in your in your family life, if you have something you need to work on in your career, anything, it's going to take more than a week or two to be able to see any real results. Well, I will tell you that my two weeks was not an exaggeration. Every every two weeks, it would oh, wow. it would uh, decrease the uh, what you were eating, and it came to the point where it was like protein shakes, Ezekiel bread, uh, boiled chicken, some vegetables, and you would just keep decreasing and decreasing, kind of thing. And like I said, you get the mentality of I've got a number that I'm shooting for this hour. I've got the finish line is not that far away, so you do it. But again, this was all pre keto, pre Atkins idea. I mean, it was just yeah. getting to the number, and then you know the next weekend, hey, we're going to go celebrate. So you go with your friends and you eat a salad and you have a beer and you might take mm-hmm. a couple bites of, you know, have a couple chips salsa kind of thing. I mean, nothing. And you're still working out or I was still working out. And literally two weeks after I had hit my lowest number in years of oh, 10 pounds. Like, how? Uh, so anyway, that's a that's a, a conversation for another psychological uh, couch at some point. <laughs> so. <laughs> So one of the things that I see in our group and hear from different people um, about fitness, weight loss and everything is how you measure your your physical health, so to speak, because you'll see men who have a what appears to be a great physical form. They work out a lot. They're built and all that other stuff, but they may have um, a higher um, body mass index or something like that. Or there's all these different factors out there. So with your experienced dietitian, nutrition and whatnot, how do you how do you explain how do you help people understand where their optimal physical? health is in terms of those numbers because not everybody is built to be 510 170 I mean there's going to be variations on all of that so how do you how do you help people find that target that goal yeah so yeah exactly so really if we wanted to look at the at the mean potatoes of it so to speak it's the uh, potatoes body you fat. said a bad word I meant to say the jicama, um, yes, jicama. obviously um so you look at you look at body fat percentage and you look at muscle percentage. Those are your when people go way too into 
death of, of the BMI. The BMI, if I had my way and I could get the government or whoever the heck controls the BMI to just eliminate that altogether, I would do that. The BMI is a broken system. It was created back in the day to be a generalization of populations. It was not meant to be for individuals. So if you ever have looked at your personal BMI, that's all bull crap that was just 100% made up. It's meant for populations. So you look at your personal body fat percentage versus your muscle mass percentage, and those are your two most important numbers. For most men, depending on, again, your goal, because you can still be healthy and be, say, like 20% body fat. Um, there are some people who want to be more lean or they're maybe are a specific athlete or they're going to be a bodybuilder and they're going to be in the teens or whatever. I don't really feel there's any personal benefit to be in the single digits of body fat percentage unless, again, you're just that particular type of athlete that wants that vascularity and that dry look and that that's just your thing, then you know what, go for it. Not really the best thing that you could do health-wise. Um, and then you look at muscle percentage and you just kind of make sure that it balances out. So for for most men, if you're above 30% body fat, you're getting closer to the unhealthy range just because you have more body fat versus your muscle mass and it can start to affect you know your brain, your heart, your muscles, your, everything. Um, mm -hmm. Once you start getting above 40%, 50%, 60%, usually when you're about 60%, that's when you're actually like morbidly obese. Not by the body mass index bullcrap, but just by your body fat composition. If you go by a BMI, you might have a certain number. So for example, like right now, I'm sitting at about uh, 210 pounds. Um, I'm 5'11", and I'm fairly muscular. Um, I have a little bit higher body fat percentage than I currently want, but if I looked at the BMI, I would currently be considered obese. Um, that's obviously not correct in the sense of like, am I actually obese and going to die on my deathbed and have diabetes or prediabetes, etc. So I tell people, don't worry so much about too many numbers. Look at what is your current weight? What's your body fat percentage? Do you need to make some adjustments? Those are the two most important numbers because there are so many different factors, your, your age, your height, your weight, your race. Um, there are so many things that take a, a role in, are you actually healthy for you as an individual? Yeah, it's so much more than just how much do you weigh and how tall are you. I I will exactly. sometimes I'll sometimes ask guys in the in the group whenever they start getting into those lower lower weights. I I'm like, how tall are you? Um, and they they they'll respond, and oftentimes I'm like, dude, you kind of need to be a little heavier. <laughs> You're gonna disappear <laughs> exactly. before too long. Um, but that's my exactly. own perception. Um, and again, that's also my tilt. I am one of those I mentioned earlier. Um, I am one of those that is, uh, genetically predisposed to have the wide shoulder, more Norwegian, mm -hmm. you know, look. Even though I'll lower my, my body fat percentage to a certain point, I am always going to have, you know, wider, bigger shoulders and whatnot. So, uh, exactly. th that's just what I'm wired for. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things and, and you can't beat the genetics, but I can be healthy. And Absolutely. I can be, be happy, which I'll take any day over what a BMI thing. I think mine says that I'm still obese. I'm not morbidly obese, but I, mine still says I'm obese and I'm, oh, I, I very much don't feel obese. Uh, I'm uh, overweight, but I don't feel obese by any means. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I was going to ask you, um, about your favorite resources. You, you, uh, did a lot of studying early on whenever you got into this way of life. What have your go-to resources become? 
Oh, so I have two different sources. One of them you actually get just by being in the field of, of dietetics and nutrition. You actually pay to be a, a part of a uh, association, the Dietitians Association, um, where you get access to all kinds of different studies, ones that are currently in research and then ones that have been uh, fully published and studied and whatnot. Um, so I like to look at a lot of those. But for the general audience who would like to look at them, my favorite, which I wish I had known about when I very first went to school, um, is called Google Scholar. Mm. So everyone likes to go to Google for everything. But if you go to googlescholar.com and you search for whatever you're looking for, it provides only credible, reviewed, peer-reviewed, published, etc. Um, scholarly articles. So if you're like curious on, well, how does, how do, you know, how do ketones affect the brain? If you go to Google Scholar, it's not going to give you any of these. Here's somebody's blog post. Here's a, a little snippet somebody put on because they're trying to sell a special product. It'll give you the unbiased information. Now, granted, every research article might have a little bias. Um, what I tell people is if you're looking at a research article and you're curious about bias, scroll all the way to the bottom. They have to legally post if there's any type of bias or if there could be any type of influence. So they can say this study was paid for by such and such company. So you can always find that information to see if there is any kind of bias one way or the other. But uh, but yeah, Google's for, for public, for stuff that everybody can access, my favorite would be Google Scholar. Um, and if it's not Google Scholar, then yeah, it, it'd be my, my dietetic resources that I have both on the web. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen me post in the group. I think I can post up the pictures, but I have Buku books because sometimes I'm such a freaking nerd that I like to read stuff in bed in you know, paper form. Um, that that old archaic weird stuff that has ink written on it. In words. <laughs> um, I, I, I have so many of these different books that I like to just kind of look at things. Um, and it's fun to read between the lines because since since a ketogenic diet is not super popular right now, you can still find little things that you'll see little hints of, you know, beta hydroxybutyrate or ketone this or ketone that or, or you know, ketone blood levels. And you start to kind of read between lines and you can see, oh, okay, so you're saying that was how I, how I first found out that uh, fat provides four times the amount of energy as carbohydrates. So when these big bodybuilder guys tell me that, oh, you have to have carbs to have any energy, I say, well, actually, because science. Mm -hmm. Because science. So I want to ask one final question here, Austin, before we start wrapping up um, with the coaching ideas and all these different things. Tell me, um, give me one thing or two, if you want. I don't know what um, makes a good um, a, a person easy to coach. What should people do to achieve the success that you as a coach could provide? Because I know a lot of people think, oh, I can do this on my own or whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they hit all these roadblocks and whatnot. So how do you make somebody coachable, if you will? Mm hmm. That I would say is a combination of uh, of trust and dedication. So, like we were talking about with my client the other, you know, from from in prior days, um, I I didn't feel maybe that she trusted me because I would give her the tools, I gave her the entire toolbox, and then she wasn't using it. But then would be quick to blame me for it not working. So it's sometimes it's difficult because we we are as humans we are very skeptical, and especially when it comes to diet, we're very skeptical. Everyone's always sold us snake oil, and and we're quick to judge that everything's snake oil. I've posted my own transformation photos in groups and people have, have called it fate because my I have a new tattoo or the lighting's not exactly the same. My beard's <laughs> different. So a lot of it comes down to trust. You If, if you're going to hire a certain coach, you need to trust them. If you don't feel trust right off the bat, maybe don't hire them. If you feel like, well, I just want to see some results first, then you have to be willing to put in the work. If they're giving you a specific plan to follow, you need to follow the plan. Because here's the thing. If you don't, if you're following directions on, 
want a GPS and you take a left when it says to go right because your gut instinct tells you maybe you should go left and then you get lost. You can't blame the GPS. You have to trust and you have to follow the directions. The, the, the difference is that a good coach will acknowledge any type of either mistakes or any like, hey, maybe this isn't working for you and will make adjustments as needed. That's the most important part on the coach's side of my aspect. And that's what I like to do as a coach myself is that I will follow the progress. I will give you the tools. If we're not seeing the progress we want, we're going to make some changes. That's, I think, also where the trust kind of comes in is that they understand that you're looking at me as an individual. You're not just, you know, copy and pasting some crap. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So we always ask everybody, um, and the prerequisite is everybody's favorite meal is steak. So that's not on the table. You can't say the steak. Um, but outside of steak, what's your favorite ketogenic, uh, based meal? Ooh, okay. So I would have to say one that I loved even before I started keto, salmon topped with butter with a side of asparagus. Mm, (laughs) Yummy. Yeah. That's a good one. Simple, delicious. And what's funny is I, I love that. I put the butter on there before I was even doing keto. And back then I was like, oh, this part isn't healthy. But you know what? Screw it. It's mostly healthy, right? And then little did I know. Little did you know, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Which And one other thing. Austin, where are you in the world? Where are you based? So I am in, yeah, I am currently in Gainesville, Florida. I've lived in Florida now for about uh, 10 years. I was in Tampa, Florida before that. Um, I, I grew up a uh, army household, so I tried traveled a good bit. But uh, but yeah, I've been in Florida for about 10 years now and uh, been Gainesville, Florida to finish up school for only about a year. Okay, just curious. Um, so how how are you able to practice on any level currently or are you having to wait before uh, before you are able to really launch your practice? So the benefit about me becoming a, uh, a certified nutritionist and sports nutritionist is that the only real difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian is that a dietitian deals usually more with people who have actual um, illnesses. And so you can handle it on a more medical level and, and you have a, a very specific uh, uh, certification and registration and uh, you have to actually be accredited by the registered dietitian uh, nutritionist mm-hmm. foundation. Um, so as a sports nutritionist, though, and, and general nutritionist, I can still do all of the nutrition side. I just can't give medical advice. That's the only difference. Cool. So you, you're able to even do that currently then with the, yes. with the certification yeah, level that you currently have and you're continuing to pursue higher levels, but you're, you're able to practice. So how can people get in contact with you if they need, if they want to pursue your services, find out more about you, follow your journey, all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So if they're already in the Keto Man's group, and if you're not, you need to be, um, but they can just find me. Uh, I post all the time. Just find Austin Beck, uh, search for me in the group, whatever. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm under keto.powerbuilder. Um, I have a YouTube channel that doesn't have a whole lot of information, but I'm trying to slowly vamp that up. But that's, again, just Keto Power Builder. Um, those are the best ways to contact me. Um, I don't know if you want my email address, but I give that out. If you want to, whatever you want to add, whatever you want to put out there. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's just uh, austin.betfit, so A-U-S-T-I-N dot B-E-C-K-F-I-T at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, it's been great getting to have you on, Jim. Any parting shots? Uh, first round of podcasting. You did very nicely, sir. We will we give you the seal of approval. Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. No problem.
Okay, well, that's it for me uh, and as well. Thank you so much for being here. Um, to our listeners, just a quick reminder, if you haven't or if you uh, have a, a, a new opinion that you would like to share about our podcast, please uh, leave a comment, a review um, on uh, Apple uh, Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you're on. If it allows you to, to leave a rating or a review, those help us out so very much. Share this with someone who you think might be uh, benefited by its content, um, we 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 want to get out there and help as many people as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our socials in, on our website at theketomansclub.com and uh, you can follow our group Instagram at at uh, Keto Man's Club Podcast um, on Instagram as well as our Facebook page that you can get through our website um, that will allow you to kind of follow us on uh, Facebook the same way that you would on Instagram with updates about the podcast when episodes are coming out. Um, that shakes around every now and again depending on what life is doing for me. So I try to make sure that I have it out consistently, but things change from time to time and uh, some things have to give, unfortunately. So um, I post as consistently as I can with that. But with that being said, you can uh, use our website to get in contact with us. Uh, I am at DuckManKeto on Instagram. Jim? Mine is uh, Jim Inman JR. And then our uh, third in the party, Alberto, is uh, all one word, the Keto Cholo. So you can find him there yep. on Instagram. Well, that's pretty much it for this week. Until next week, make sure to eat meat, lift heavy, sleep, and repeat. Thank you for joining us for the Keto Man's Club podcast. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Would you help us spread the word about the Keto Man's Club by sharing with your friends and family? We're available on all podcast platforms, so just search for Keto Man's Club and you'll find us. If you would like to connect with us, you can do so a number of ways. Our web address leads to our Facebook group, theketomansclub.com. That's T-H-E-K-E-T-O. M-A-N-S-C-L-U-B dot com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Keto Man's Club Podcast. Lastly, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out via email to Keto Man's Club Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to hanging out with you again next week. 